Hello everyone and welcome back to Spirit School. It's been a hot minute and man have I been hearing from you guys about it. It's so funny. Um, it's been two weeks since I posted my last episode and I have lots of ideas percolating but it's literally just finding the time and energy to sit down and get all these thoughts that are percolating in my mind and in my heart and getting them out to you guys. So thank you for your patience. And I explained it to one of my Instagram friends, which I love Instagram. I have so many good Instagram friends over there. But I started this podcast as really a passion project. I actually wanted to start it a year before I actually did, but I was too scared. So 2019, my word is courage. This is one of the courageous steps that I've made towards my own spiritual and personal development. And I promised myself... Um, back when I started that I wouldn't have a schedule because I really wanted to be able to ensure that I'm creating this free offering to the world from a place um, of inspiration. So I truly will come on when I feel super inspired, though I am committed to the energies and the new moon post because I love them very much and yeah, and I really enjoy doing them and I like working with cards. So that's come. I really like doing the energies one. So thank you for your patience with me while I put this episode together, which is all about spirit guides. Now I did do a spirit guides episode before it's episode five, um, deepening your connection with spirit guides, which is actually one of the questions that came in for this episode. So you can go check out that one. I don't remember what I said because I don't ever listen back to my podcast episodes. Um, I'm one of those people who doesn't like the sound of my own voice. So I just kind of leave it and let it simmer with all of you. Uh, but there was an episode done before. So with this episode, I was going to share a bit of my story with my guides, a little bit of spiritual philosophy and answer some questions that came through on Instagram when I posted a question on what would you want to know about spirit guides. And then the second half of the episode is actually going to be a guided meditation to meet your spirit guide. And you can set the attention to meet your main spirit guide or if you already have a comfortable relationship with them and you have confidence that you two are jiving and connecting, then you can set the intention to meet a joy guide or a financial guide or a teacher guide, a parenting guide, um, you know, deceased loved one, whatever you feel like connecting with, just follow the prompts in the meditation and whoever you meet, meet and again with the guided meditations I have students who say well I wasn't in a field I was at the ocean I'm like that's perfect all I'm offering is a guide your soul may take you somewhere else and just go with that flow okay so if you're driving and listening when it comes to that point I'll give you a heads up so you can pause it and come back to it later when you're in a place where you can uh, really sit down and take about 10 minutes and go through the meditation So I love the topic of spirit guides. Um, I know I've probably said this before, but I have been aware of my spirit guides since I was seven years old. I don't have anyone in my life who would have told me about this kind of stuff. I definitely was not from a religious family or a spiritually advanced family. But I met a little boy at a local swimming pool and he introduced himself to me as Skylar. And it was like literally like Oprah talks about an aha moment. I was like, I have a spirit guide named Skylar. And ever since then, I have named my guide Skylar. Now, I didn't think about too much 
back in the day if it was male or female. I honestly didn't, but when I met my um, teacher, my mediumship teacher, the first reading I had with her, she said, you know, you and your guide are so close that I can almost not even perceive your energies as separate. That's how close we were, and she foresaw him as a male. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm good with that. And in conversations with my guide, one of the fascinating things that we talked about was he said, and I'll just use the word he, he's like, you know, you guys are all very hung up down there about if you're male or female. And he's like, we all recognize each other as light here. So we can identify with other souls and spirits just based off of their light. So there is that genderlessness on the other side. Um, our loved ones still may appear to us as they as we would have recognized them here. But one of the philosophies I've been working with on my guides is that you know, even when you come into angels, there's a lot of, um, you know, different philosophies going around of Archangel Gabriel, who is the archangel who came to Mother Mary to say that she was impregnated with Jesus, you know, was male or female. One of my angel teachers who I study under strongly believes that it's female. I don't know. These are things that I'm grappling with myself, but I just wanted to raise it with you because, you know, I'm a teacher and I want you to start thinking about this stuff too. And if you have any amazing realizations or soul truths that you know, I would love to hear from them. But one thing my guide said to me, which does sit right with me, is that when we transition on the other side and when we're interacting with one another on the other side, we're actually just sources of light, um, which I love. I love that because it really kind of breaks down those barriers between time and space and, you know, this physical body that we're so attached to in this human experience. Um, you know, even when we look at aliens in movies, they still have two eyes and mouths and noses. I'm like, does that make sense? I don't know, right? So we're really kind of drawn to humanizing everything, including our essence and our spirit. And so it is. It's, it is what it is right now. I'm sure in 20 years we'll be talking very differently as we're talking today very differently than 20 years ago. So I've had this awareness of my guide since I was seven years old. I will be completely honest with you. I did not see my spirit guide in a meditation until I was 31 years old. I just was born with a certain amount of faith and trust. And I knew I had a guide at seven and I never felt alone in my whole life. I just knew somebody was walking beside me. I just knew there was somebody out there in the best interest of my own soul growth, my own heart. I just always had that unwavering faith. And I've talked to this being my entire life. And, you know, I, I named them Skylar. And it wasn't until I was 17 years old and I came across Sylvia Brown's book, The Other Side and Back, which was the life-changing book for me back in the day, even though I had read James Von Prague's Talking to Heaven before that, um, which really opened up my eyes to mediumship and the fact, um, you know, even at like 10 or 11 years old, that there was such a thing as mediumship and people could talk to departed loved ones. It was Sylvia Brown's book, The Other Side and Back, which completely changed my life. It was actually the first time I ever heard about angels. It was the first time I heard about spirit guides and I really subscribe to a lot of what she had said back then. So here are my kind of philosophies and beliefs on spirit guides. And I say this all the time, be flexible with what you hear with me. I'm completely flexible in my beliefs. If I were to talk about this topic in five years from now, it's probably going to sound completely different from today. So this is what I feel like I know now and know as in what sits right with my soul. 
So I truly believe that our main spirit guides, the guides who are with us from the day we are born until the day we transition back home, are our best friends on the other side. I'm not talking about soulmate. I'm not talking about twin flame. I'm saying this is like our best friend on the other side. I do not believe that we have ever incarnated with our guides before. I don't think that they're part of our soul group and part of our family group, um, which is why they're able to guide us in a way that is completely, you know, not attached, you know, (laughs) emotionally. Like I couldn't imagine going to the other side and seeing my children struggle and not trying to intervene, right? Those guides don't have those Um, same connections to us as our departed loved ones and people in our soul groups so they make the best guides for us because we know they know better than us at this in this consciousness here on earth what we came here to accomplish so they're the ones helping us kind of stay on track while we're here and letting us fall and allowing us to experience grace and allowing us to remember our power. They're the ones who help align all this. Not to say that we don't ever veer off course and they of course let us because that's part of the human experience, but they are here to kind of be the gatekeepers, especially with the other side. My guide acts as a huge gatekeeper for the other side. He knows how I like to work. I will communicate with him before all my sessions. I will talk to all the spirits who are waiting to communicate and I'll be like, okay, I'm, I want to connect with you each. And if I'm struggling and I'm not picking up what you're, what you're putting down, please work through Skylar. He knows exactly how um, to connect with me. So, and that gives Skylar some direction on how I want to work with him in the session because I'm a teacher at heart and I don't mind failing. I don't mind getting things wrong. So I really want to experience a lot of things for myself. Whereas earlier on in my development, I relied very heavily on Skylar because I was too scared to be wrong. And I was too scared to, um, you know, hear no's from, from clients or practice readings. So I really kind of relied on him in a crutch kind of way, which is not how they want us to view them as. And they also don't want to be put up on pedestals. So, you know, our guides are our peers in reality. So sometimes when we first learn how to communicate with our guides, we may you know, turn them into our gurus or turn them into, uh, you know, a place above us when that's not how they want to be viewed. And the truth is we were almost certainly guides for them in past lives as well. So our spirit guides are not really here to rescue us. And, you know, I'm going to tell you my experience since my mediumship development journey, um, when I really started meditating on um, connecting with Skylar and being able to visually see him. And the way that he appears to me is a Caucasian guy that looks like Tom Cruise. And I always laugh and joke that I feel like the only native that does not have a native guide. And I find it hilarious that that's how he comes to me, but that's obviously at a soul level how I perceive him. I think that he could appear to me as a man on the street. He could appear to me um, in female form, but for some reason, he has always come through to me um, in this physical way and shape and form. And I always know how to recognize him in my meditation. So I'm super comfortable with that. So when I first started my mediumship development journey, as I said, I relied on Skylar quite a bit. I talked to him constantly and begged him like, oh my God, please don't let me fall today. Today's not the day to fall. No lessons today. (laughs) And it was kind of funny and comical looking back at it now. And what would happen is I would find that there were certain times where I felt abandoned. Like I couldn't perceive him. I couldn't 
perceive spirit at all. I felt completely abandoned. And I felt, and I'm going to use this word that I never let anyone who works with me use, disconnected. And my whole next episode is going to be on disconnected and this belief that we are disconnected, disconnected. Oh, it just like sends shivers up my spine. It makes my hair stand up. It's such an ugly word. (laughs) It's so low vibration. But I used to always think like I was disconnected and I was abandoned. Did I do something wrong? I would even be Googling psychic mistakes being abandoned like I would google this stuff because I could not perceive spirit around me and I had been able to perceive spirit my entire life so things would go along and lessons would appear to me and you know I would go through hard times like I I experienced a a negative energy for the first time at one of those times I had a near-death experience um, carrying my son one of those times And I realized after this happened quite a few times, because when you sign up to expand as a soul and you sign up to put yourself in place of service to the creator, to God, to the world of spirit, they're going to expedite your growth. So you are going to experience a lot of ebbs and flows when you sign up for this path, okay? So I was experiencing ebbs and flows over five years that, you know, couldn't even compare to the previous 30 years. Like I would have, yeah, a couple ebbs and flows, but this was happening all the time. So what I found was, and this is one of my philosophies that I believe, that when we're about to experience what I call a human experience, they, Skylar, my main guide, will kind of manage the energy around me so that I'm not focusing on the world of spirit and I'm not leaning on them and I'm not calling upon them from a place of desperation and plea and that I am focusing on my human experience here. So anytime I feel spirit step away, I look around at my life. Okay, how's my career? Okay, how's my marriage? Okay, how's my relationship with my children? How's my relationship with my girlfriends? And I look around at where I need to be focusing and not on my spiritual journey and not on my spiritual path and not being of service. And I feel that Skylar creates that atmosphere for me by kind of like putting me, it's almost like being in a, I don't know if you've ever been into a studio recording booth where you walk in and it's like, whoa, dead silence. That's what it's kind of like for me. So before my near death experience happened in 2016, I, and I say this, I, I may sound a little bit dramatic saying that because like I didn't cross over and come back, but but I did think I was going to die. I did not think I was going to make it. I was in a neurological critical care. I was five months pregnant. Um, I was in a glass room with a banana in a potty and nobody could come in and see me without full hazmat suits on. They had no idea what was wrong with me. They thought I had spinal meningitis or some sort of like deadly virus that was contagious. They did not know. And I was in that hospital for a long time. I went four days without sleep or food and I honestly thought I was going to die and I was starting to see and hallucinate some pretty dark stuff so I call that an NDE I think that's as close as I've ever come and ever hope to be until it's my time to transition home so about two weeks before that experience I went up to my husband who's a non-believer in this stuff but he loves me so he'll listen and I said I feel like I'm about to experience something because I feel like Skylar has put up that sound barrier for me because I don't feel his presence anymore and And I could cry even talking about it because it's such a gift um, to be aware of this um, and not feel abandoned and not feel like you're being punished for anything, but just knowing like, okay, Skylar's telling me right now there's other things I need to focus on and it's not my spiritual work and it's not my spiritual growth. And sure enough, two weeks later, 
I was in ICU hospital and it was almost like validating for me because it lets me know that we are truly never disconnected and we are never being punished. And these guides act as a beautiful, beautiful source of energy for us on the other side. They really have our best interest at heart. They really care about us at a deep rooted level that we could never even experience in this human experience. And I'm forever grateful for that role he plays for me. And I know that I have played that role for him and it would be my honor to do it again, time and time again for him. And yeah, I just... I love the connection with spirit guides. And again, I kind of see them as our best friends on the other side. And I think best friends is such a surface word. I just don't know how else to verbalize the connection because it's not soulmate. I will tell you in complete honesty and transparency, I don't know what I feel about soulmates and twin flames and all these languages that we use. I'm still working on my philosophies on that. So so that's kind of what I wanted to say about spirit guides and uh, my experience with my guide. And yeah, I'm going to get on to the questions now. Okay, so the first question I received, which isn't necessarily about guides, but I was asked, how long did it take for you to feel comfortable with your gifts? Well, a lifetime, I will have to say. I do definitely recognize the gifts I have today are the same gifts I had when I was seven years old and probably when I was born, but my understanding of them has evolved and therefore the more I put my spiritual practice into practice, the more comfortable I feel with my gifts. It's not going to be until you actually practice and in a vulnerable way where you actually get practice setters with you and you kind of test it out that your level of comfort will expand because until you actually put what you know into practice, you're never going to know if you actually know it. I tell my students, I'm like, I know you don't want to be Oracle card readers, but you need validation that what you feel, know, see, and hear is something. And that's just one of the ways in which we can do that. So be bold, get out there. You'll do amazing. So one of the other questions is, so do we see guides as how they looked in one of their earth lifetimes? Maybe, I don't know what Skylar would have looked like in a past life, but he obviously appears to me in a way that I am comfortable so I feel that our guides will appear to us in a way that doesn't unnerve us, that lets us feel like loved and lets us feel safe. And that's how I feel that they appear to us. How if he looked like that in a past life, I don't know if I would recognize him, but um, he could have very well. That could be a uh, body that he really liked um, and a look that he really liked at some point. But that's what I feel about it. And I truly feel like they are light, as I've mentioned before. And I think about that philosophy and I absolutely love it because... You know, have you ever, you know, it's my true belief that animals and children in particular, there's no veil between us and the world of spirit with them. So you'll notice, and I think everybody can resonate with this, that sometimes you'll get that stare down from animals and kids where they just lock eyes with you and, and they're like owls turning their heads. And that's because... They see us as light and they are attracted to our brightness. And there's a beautiful story I heard this week along this line. And it's, it's not my story, but I heard it and it was it just gave me shivers. And it's about this four-year-old boy whose mom and dad brought his baby brother home from the hospital. And he said, mom and dad, I need to talk to my little brother. They're like, okay, well, here he is. No, I need to talk to him alone. So they said, okay. And they left him in the crib and they 
closed the door and behind them and they listened in and they heard their four-year-old say to the baby, quick, tell me where you came from and who made you. I'm starting to forget. And that's one of my core beliefs and my core philosophies that up until the age of around four for children, we, they start to forget and that veil starts to kind of close off a little bit. And that's just a gift, I think, from, from you know, the creator and God. Because when we transition into this earth life, it can be quite a traumatic experience. Like people who go through past life regressions, the deaths don't compare to the births, right? You're coming from a place of complete peace and bliss and love and harmony and everything's good through like, you know, the vagina and into like this brutal hospital setting with bright lights and people are pulling at you and like cutting you and spanking you and that can be quite harsh. And I think it's one of God's gifts when we transition into this life that we have complete openness to that home side to the angels to the guides to the loved ones and I could cry right now and I'm covered in goosebumps so I feel like um, this is actually something my soul's recognizing this is truth and then around four years old is when we start to form our life path and we start to you know gain our personalities that will carry us through our lives based off of what we've signed up for here so so yeah, hopefully that answers your question plus a little bit of digressing. So do you have a meditation to connect with your spirit guides? Yes, and that will be coming up in about five minutes. Um, is it possible to actually know who your guardian guides are? Absolutely, but I will tell you, it doesn't matter how many guided meditations you do and how many mediums and psychics you go see who tell you who your guides are, you need to have a certain amount of faith that what you pick up during these meditations and during these internal dialogues within your own mind, which are often how I communicate with my guide is just... <laughs> It sounds crazy, but I'm having a conversation with myself in my head, and I know that it's him. That's how he communicates with me. Um, he also communicates with me, or not me, but I communicate with him like that too. But um, other guides will use signs like numbers and, you know, birds reappearing and feathers and, um, you know, there's so many different signs that they can give, but when you start to develop a relationship and a bond with them, you can start requesting from them to come to you in whichever way you feel comfortable with. Okay, so how do we deepen the connection? So I mentioned early on in the episode that episode five actually is a whole podcast episode dedicated to deepening your connection with your guides. I think I give four or five different um, exercises that you can do plus this guided meditation here. But the truth is, the deepening has to happen on your end. The deepening is there on their end. So this again comes down to a lot of faith and trust and just believing in what you receive. How do we choose each other before life? Well, one belief that I have is that we take turns being each other's guides. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm going in now. I'm ready to go in. You available? Okay, cool. <laughs> and then you kind of make your plan in life together. And I truly believe, you know, as an instance is, okay, at 33, I'm going to go through this horrible experience and I'm going to experience depression for my first time. You got to let me just go through it. No intervening. I have to experience this. And so it is. And so that's how I believe that that kind of works on the other side. If we do see them, are they present, presenting in a body that they have lived in before? I just answered that one. Or is it just how they would like to look? Um, I think that it's definitely part of that, but I think it's more how we would want them to appear for us in a way that is non-threatening and that brings us comfort. 
do your guides talk to other guides of people in our lives? Like if there is a husband and wife, do their guides know each other? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know this to be completely true because after I had my daughter and she really awoken my mediumship gifts within me, and I do believe that my path right now is for her and for my son, of course, too. But I used to stand over her crib and talk to her guide. And I used to ask for confirmation that her guide is around. And her guide, I felt, was a female presence. I know I just said that we shouldn't get hung up on that. But I felt a female presence around me. And I get Skylar to talk to her guide. And I tell you, you're going to think I'm crazy. But I used to say, Skylar, tell her guide she cannot wake up until 8 o'clock. I mean, I was such a sleep freak when I was um, 31. And I just had this baby. And I kid you not, every single time I prayed and asked Skylar to talk to her guide or I talked to her guide directly, keep KG in bed till eight. Every time I would get exactly what I asked for. So I knew that I was definitely in communication with her guide, even though I didn't perceive her guide as much as mine. So yes, I do believe that our guides co-inspire and um, yeah, talk to one another and have the ability to talk to one another. So our guides constantly with us, are they in and out? And what type of signs do we get from our guides? So yeah, I don't think our guides ever leave our side. I know I mentioned earlier about Skylar kind of stepping away when I'm about to go through a human experience I signed up for, but the truth of the matter is they never leave. They are completely, our main guides are with us at all times. Our, okay, what kind of signs? I just went through that. And do our main guides ever leave us or do they remind with us our whole lifetime? Yeah. So that's it. That's those questions. And I hope that this episode answers a lot of that. And if you had any more questions about guides, I definitely don't mind doing more episodes on this if this is of interest to you. So just hit me up on Instagram at Squamish Medium or SquamishMediumICloud.com or my new website that launches today, um, SquamishMedium.com. So now is the time where if you are driving or if you are doing something else and you're listening to me in the background to just press pause unless you're ready to sit down and go through the guided meditation to meet your spirit guide, okay? Okay, I'd like everyone to take a seat, either cross-legged on the floor or in a chair with your back upright and your feet solid on Mother Earth. And I'd like to ask that you close your eyes softly, place your hands facing up on your lap, switching a smile on, and placing a thought to something you are extremely grateful for in this moment. And I want you to take a nice deep breath in and exhale through the belly with a sigh. Inhale, divine white light, and exhale all judgments and expectations on yourself. Inhale, divine white light, and exhale any anxieties or fears. Take one more very deep, high quality breath in, and exhale fully with a sigh. settle into a northern normal rhythmic breath. I want you to pay attention to how your body feels at this moment. If you're leaning to one side, sit up straight. 
If you have any physical sensations on your body, make note of them. And continue to follow your breath in and out, relaxing your jaw, allowing your tongue to be removed from the roof of your mouth and dropping your shoulders towards Mother Earth. Take a deep breath. And exhale with a sigh. Now I want you to envision yourself in an open field. And I want you to look down at your feet and notice that you're standing upon some of the brightest and most green grass you've ever seen. And as your gaze starts to move outwards, inch after inch, you see this grass expanding in vastness with your eyes and with your gaze. And you start to look around and you notice that you're in a beautiful garden. And as you turn around and you look at the space you're in, you notice all sorts of beautiful trees and bushes and gardens, all different shapes and sizes and colors, the greens having a vibrancy that not only can you see, but you can feel. You can see planted gardens with beautiful flowers of all shapes and sizes. You feel a warm breeze that carries the scent of the surroundings. Start walking around and allowing this place to come alive in your mind's eye and within your clear sentience and that clear feeling. Start to touch things and really make note of the different colors that you're seeing and the different shapes and types of flowers. I want you to touch the leaves and the flowers and smell them. And if you're having a hard time envisioning these colors and smelling these scents and touching these objects, I just want you to know from deep within your soul that this place exists in your heart and in your mind. And as you walk around, you notice in the corner of a garden that there's an opening to a stunning, vibrant and bright amethyst crystal cave. And you start making your way towards it. And you notice just outside the entrance of the cave, there's a beautiful blanket full of color and texture laying out in front of it. And it's calling you to take a seat. Make your eight over there and sit down. And I want you to take some more deep breaths in this moment. Inhale all the beautiful scents of the flowers that are surrounding you and the vibrant light that they are giving off. And exhale all judgments and expectations you might have at this moment. 
When you feel centered in this spot, I want you to place the intention to have your main guide come meet with you and sit in front of you on this blanket. Trust that they have seated themselves in front of you. At first, I want you to sense their presence. What do you feel on your body? Do you feel sensation on the skin of your back? Hair raising on the top of your head? A tightening of the chest? A ringing of the ear? Pay attention to how you feel and what you're thinking as they step close to you. As this is their sign that they are in your presence. Now I want you to look at your guide and take in their appearance and how they have chosen to appear to you today. What eye colors they have, what hair color, what clothing they're adorning. Spend a minute here in their energy, taking in the sensations that they are providing you and the physical appearances that they are showing you. Now I want you to place a thought to your guide and you can speak this out loud or within your own mind and ask them, what is your name? How will I know of your presence? And wait for an emotional or physical sensation or even a symbol to appear in your mind. How will I know of your presence? Ask them, what do I need to know at this time? Ask them, what are you here to help me with? I want to take you to take all the messages that you just received and place them in your heart and know that after this session you will be journaling your experience and everything that you received including the messages but for now I want you to focus on connecting with your guide heart to heart with a green or pink beam of light from your heart to theirs and it's a beam that has always been there and is always there and now you can physically see and feel it. And I want you to express some gratitude for them appearing to you today. And they want you to know that you can come back to this space and place anytime you want to gain insights or feel their presence. And only when you're ready Rise from your seat, embrace, and start making your way back. 
And as you make your way back, you're going to again look around you at the ecosystem we just co-created. The trees, the flowers. Look above you and beneath you, from side to side and from behind. Give this place its texture. Feel the warmth and the love that it provides. And know that this is your place you can come back to anytime you want to connect with your guide. And as you stand in the place that you started and you look down at your feet and the green grass below you, I want you to envision a beam of light entering the top of your head, moving through your throat and chest and stomach and arms down your legs and through your feet into Mother Earth grounding you. And I want you to start wiggling your toes, moving your legs around, your fingers and arms. And only when you're ready, start fluttering your eyes and coming back into your space. <laughs>